I'm ready when you are. You can feel the country's on a knife edge. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting? Let's do this! <laughs> it's a joke, obviously. You're in retreat. We're not rioting yet. I don't like that question. You're just saying shit and you don't even know what you're talking about. But Spider-Gate sounds way cooler than Manta Rays, doesn't it? And I was like, well, here's my two cents. You, you, you need a lot of stuff. That's how we should describe the podcast. If they ever went out and recruited one more person, then we'd have double the number of people listening. Well then. Let's start the show. Okay, good morning, afternoon, evening, depending on where you are. I know where I am. It's good evening here. It's a good night for you and Flash, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're not so far ahead. How you doing, man? Yeah, good to good to see you, hear you. So uh, we're back, episode 30. You've just reminded me. You you always keep tab of these things. I'm always... <laughs> I, just, I, I just rock up and record and go. That's what I do. I'm a hit and run. <laughs> yeah, I guess somebody has to, you know, label them, title them, all that kind of good stuff, so... That is me, uh, episode 30. Welcome to the listeners. Thank you for being here. Um, we're back. It was been a, it's been a bit of a, not a delay really, maybe one a month. We're, we're doing a good schedule. We'll see yeah, what the new year brings. And uh, when You've been teasing people in between with your uh, in conversations, which I've, I've had some good feedback on. So yeah, uh, good. keep them going, I would say. Yeah, 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 good. No, I've got a, I've got a couple of people sort of... On the hook, they've agreed in principle. I thought you were going to say locked, locked in the cupboard. <laughs> no, they've they've agreed in principle to be okay. on to do one, uh, another couple of episodes of that in uh, in January. So there'll be more of that coming okay. out for sure. So you're negotiating fees with them, that sort of thing, there because flash, you know, don't be don't be flexing that company credit card too much because I don't know where the money's going to come from to pay them. Yeah, no, I'm just begging them to be on the show okay. and then tell at least one or two friends. Okay. Like, you've been on the show now. Tell one or two friends. Get them to see. You know, it's almost like a pyramid scheme. We're just trying to get more people signed up. So go subscribe. Get in on. Well, this. and the, the more people you have conversations with, they're all, they're always going to listen back to their own episode a little bit, aren't they? So that again increases the listener numbers. So one by one, we are increasing the listenership. That's to the uh, saviors of modern media. That is too bad for you. That's right. That's been the plan all along. But we're back to the meat and potatoes today. Back to, back to where it all started. Well, we are, and we're diving in with basically what what we're known for. <laughs> That's right. Keep a straight face. Flushed. Do you want to dive in, or do you want me to? I think you should take it away this time because uh, I, frankly, kind of dropped the ball on this the on the Ebola update. So I'm going to let you run okay. with this one. Um. So yeah, listeners, welcome, welcome back. So Ebola, it's still still out there. I almost said with us, but I didn't want to employ it. It's so still it's, lurking. Um, it is. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very quick update. So basically the numbers uh, that I saw today were a total of 515 cases mm. in the Congo um, with 303 deaths. So that's really keeping the mortality rate up there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think you just said that from from reports, it seems to be worsening. Is the fear? Yeah, I mean, it still seems like, and I don't know again, like how much of this is just the media has sort of moved on, um, because this one's sort of simmering around. Um, but those numbers to me didn't seem like they had changed too much. But it, you know, if you remember the last time we talked about this a month ago, it was sort of everyone was kind of waiting for the explosion like it could will it go one way right, or the yeah, other yeah it seems like it's still simmering as far as i can tell i know there was a couple of weeks ago again reports of violence surrounding the caseworkers and stuff and i know the other one now is um malaria malaria is a big issue in the area as well so they were having difficulties treating both diseases at once in the right. in that in that population and i think they had a can't remember if we talked about, did we talk about this last time where they had some initiatives to try and like, it's like, if you have malaria or if you have any symptoms come into the hospital for free and we'll just, just to right. get them there and keep them there and, and sort out, is it malaria? Is it Ebola? This kind of stuff. So yeah, the situation remains tenuous, we'll say. Um, but whereas the, the big mainstream media has moved on. Too bad for you is still on the case, although admittedly well, <laughs> we almost moved on to. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, for me, what well, what flagged flagged my attention to it in the, the two things that jumped out, the two positive, I guess, is um, four to five thousand people vaccinated so far because they're doing this. The ring, they're trying to ring fence yeah. outbreaks, um, and on a, you know we've discussed before they've been struggling to vaccinate people, so I think that's really good. Uh, the other thing that really flagged it to me is what caught us in pre-production was. Um, the case of the six-year-old girl that was diagnosed six-day-old, six yeah. sorry, uh, girl whose mother died during childbirth who uh, was infected with it, who um, has survived. So, mm. uh, yeah, that was the headline that caught me in, and that's what dragged it up. So, yeah, uh, interesting that the, the vaccine numbers seem to be not massive, but seem to be increasing and hopefully having some sort of effect. I mean, effect, it's, but, it's probably but, the largest vaccine campaign against Ebola. I would imagine. I yeah. can't remember what the big two, 2015 outbreak uh, or the one previ- earlier this year. 2015, they definitely did not because it was they caught off guards. So they didn't even have vaccine ready till yeah. the end of it. And that's where it all really spun out of, really, wasn't yeah. it? The vaccine yeah. piece yeah. from then. Yeah. yeah. So I think the one earlier this year, they might have done, but they were doing some ring vaccination, but it, I, I doubt it was as much as what they've done now. So. I mean, that'll, that'll be interesting once they get this under control or if it maybe this just keeps it sort of at bay until they can get a, a further grip on it. But it's still out there. It's still happening. So um, watch this space. We will. Let's let's stick a pin in it. And let's promise for the listeners that we are. Well, I'm, it's it's on our Twitter feed. If you follow the Twitter feed at Too Brad For You or either of us. Um, dropping it in there already there. but yeah that's true we will keep updating we so let's tweet that out so. uh let's dive in because we've got uh, a jam-packed show and we're going to try and squeeze it all and into a, a brief period of time well uh, not only am i hungry there is a curry been ordered for a set time for so we're going to hear the doorbell yeah, and that's okay. eating. yeah basically then that will be when you hear the doorbell that is basically this show is ending <laughs> um <laughs> anyway I'm gonna I'm gonna kick us off. So um, HIV um, from one light topic of Ebola into another of HIV. So um, good news with this one. So there's been uh, some research published this week in uh, Immunity magazine, um, 
talking about a successful trial uh, in non-human primates of an HIV vaccine. Mm. Um, Some monkeys. So the, yeah, so the Scripps Research Institute um, have just published a study that was conducted in uh, Reese macaque monkeys. Um, basically, where they've um, managed to produce antibodies that neutralize um, one strain of HIV, but not just one strain. It neutralizes the most resilient strain, mm. um, which is called Tier 2. It's the most uh, common strain that infects humans now. Mm. Um, so that's why it shows real promise. Um, and it really spins out into two ways. Obviously, that itself is a good thing. The other main thing that this study has shown is something that they didn't know before is actually the amount of antibody you need to be able to clear an infection. Hmm. So there's there's been numerous trials before and there's numerous different strategies, uh, as I've discovered today in my research, going on around well, what, what target you use for the vaccine, what you know, what protein you look for, what coating, what what are you trying to get to? Um and there's been some limited success with all of them, but what they've never been able to show is well what type of immune response and what level of immune response you have to show before you have an effect. Um, to protect so yourself, what, like to prevent yourself from being infected, or to like once you got it to like clear the infection. That is a good question, Flash. Because I imagine it's probably because I know that like when you if you get like like if you work in a lab that works with HIV and you accidentally like prick your finger per, it, with the needle that has HIV yeah. on it, that you there's there's like a set of drugs that you take right away that gives you this crazy immune response and antiviral drugs and all this stuff that basically kills it before it takes hold because once it right. like, that's yeah, the thing yeah. like once it has time to replicate in your cells and start you know attacking then it's like then it's impossible to get rid of so yeah. that might be what so this, this is so this would be to pr protect from infection right and that's the vaccine that's why it's a vaccine and not, yeah. A, yeah, not yeah. a cure as opposed to if you have the disease fighting it off so um so it's important to stress, and they, they stress quite a lot on this, it's, we're still a long way from human trials with this. Um, but what it shows really excitingly that they talk about is, A, the proof of concept that this works, but it also directs researchers into the strand of vaccine strategy that we maybe should be targeting, yeah. as opposed to, at the moment, you know, all the different balloons that are going on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the way... The way this uh, vaccine works is it actually targets um, a protein, but a rare part of the HIV protein that's that's vulnerable to attack, but actually quite rare. Whereas a lot of the other vaccines have gone for common markers on the surface of the the uh, the virus to try and latch onto. So this latches onto quite a rare part, um, which is probably why it's, it's strain specific too. But right, and the 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 engineering behind it is actually what it does. It um, it's an envelope trimmer is what they call it. So it's trying to find a part of the protein that it can trim to then attach onto and then thus have its effect. So 2013 is when they first started genetically engineering um, these uh, trimmers. Mm. SOSIPs, they're called, S-O-S-I-P. Um, and before that, what they found was they could engineer them in a lab and they were quite stable, but they, they just found they weren't stable enough to then put into a body and they had no way of having the body produce themselves. So actually what this vaccine does is it um, causes the animal to generate the antibodies themselves, and therefore it's more stable because it's, yeah. in inverted commas, naturally produced. Yeah, um, and that's that's the, the vaccine 
angled again. Yeah. When the when it sees the virus, it'll start. When your body sees the virus, it'll start producing these things. Yeah, exactly. So um, what they what they've said about this is it um, for the first time, and I quote: "For the first time, we've had something that looked pretty much like HIV envelope protein trimmer." Says the uh, lead researcher, and based on based on this, they're trying to now focus in on right what do they need to do what they what they did when they tested it they actually had used a earlier version of the vaccine to vaccinate a group of monkeys and what they discovered is that a group of the monkeys reacted but at a very low level Mm. and others reacted for some reason at quite a high level so obviously then there's research as to why that is Mm. what they then found is when they then re-vaccinated those animals the ones that had the higher titer were the ones that showed this protective effect and that's when they've been able to then quantitatively measure this is the level you need to have that effect. So, so we have this vaccine product, these snipper things. We we know that they can, you know, kill the virus or whatever, protect you against the virus, but only if there's a certain number of them. Yeah. So, so now what they need to do is, A, how do they firstly generate that level? And, you know, and with a lot of vaccines, it's you go through a vaccine course, don't you? You, you get know, like you have three vaccines. Shots yeah, three shots, it. two shots yeah. a week apart, whatever. Um, so that's the other part. How can they keep that sustained level of antibody? That's what they're they're looking at now. So that's the other branch there. Yeah, they're looking at because yeah, that was um, question. Like, how often do you got to go for a booster? I mean, it wouldn't matter. I mean, if 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 you could get an HIV vaccine to places where that need it most, I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, I got to go three times a month to get this. Like, sign me up, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's. But, and that's the thing, but that's the thing that part of this research has answered is what's the target they're aiming for? Because before they had these vaccines that in some cases were effective, some cases not, yeah. but they didn't know at what level they need to be at. Whereas now, obviously, they can they, screen for those titles and say, okay, we don't have to keep infecting these animals. We know yeah, this is the level we're aiming for. This is the number for, that we so. need to get, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, promising. And I think HIV is an interesting one because, you know, obviously it was a massive prominence. 10, 15, 20 years ago. And then obviously there's a lot of research still going into it, but it seems to be one of these diseases that, and I think we touched on this before, that it's, it's almost forgotten about now because there are cocktails of drugs out there that you know suppress the viral load, suppress yeah. the development of HIV into full-blown AIDS. It's, for, it's forgotten about in Europe, Western Europe, North America. Right. You know, but if you yeah. go to some of these because other places, we, yeah. you know, Eastern Europe, it's still it's, quite, quite a big problem. Africa, obviously. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, maybe it's one of these situations where it's like all these people in like, you know, Portland, Oregon or whatever that are like, oh, vaccines, I don't want you natural. I'm going to help my well, kids yeah. with this. If you're just like raise the specter of well, HIV is coming back. We have a vaccine for it. Do you want it? Or are you going to take your chances with your chicken broth and your yeah. <laughs> might might turn the you might change some minds that way yeah it's not it's, it's not a homeopathic vaccine from what i can discover i think a lot of science has actually gone into yeah, this yeah yeah um so yeah who knows but yeah some interesting and what i like about this story in particular is obviously it gives a direction but it also sets a base for other researchers to build on which you know obviously all research in some way shape or form does mm-hmm. but you know this to me is one of those where it really does set you know yeah. a good baseline to, a platform foundation to build upon yeah, yeah so yeah like those uh when they do telethons or something like for donations and there's that little meter that keeps going up to yeah it's like this is the level <laughs> of antibodies you need yeah 
And he gets his up. Yeah, yeah. You've got a cure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, uh, as I was reading that story, I was trying to think of a segue into your next one. Obviously, there's an obvious segue of, uh, you know, one of the ways of contracting HIV is through the exchange of sexual fluids. Right. Uh, and where's, where could that sexual fluid end up? It could end up in your uterus. Well, not yours, Flash, obviously, unless, hey, you know, don't. Unless there's something you've not been telling me. Don't, but, um, don't gender me. Maybe I feel like I have a uterus today. <laughs> you've been, well, you've been drinking too much of that spritzer now. I've been having uh, some wine so, spritzer. And I've, I've, I have gone down the rabbit hole of uterus research. Couple big, well, the, couple big uterus no, stories. Nice, nice use of the phrase rabbit hole and uterus there in the same sentence. Yeah, well, I've, I've checked myself about how that might sound when it, <laughs> but it's out now. So dive on in, Flash. Go deep into the uterus story. Done. Um, well, two uterus headlines caught my attention. Oh, not just one, two. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. For the price I of have, one. I have two uteruses stories. Uh, the first. We'll start with the first. Uh, the first one that actually got me down this rabbit hole. So this was a headline about a woman gave birth using a uterus that was transplanted into her from a donor who was deceased. And that's the first time that that's ever happened. So, wow. Here's some shocking numbers for you, Brad. 1.5 million women worldwide either don't have a uterus or it's abnormal or damaged. 1.5 million women, no uterus, can't have a baby. So, obviously, adoption's not an option. It's a little dig there. So they go for the uterus transplant. Uh, so uterus transplant has been performed before 11 times, but this is with a uterus coming from a live person and going into another obviously live person. And, right. and then they've had successful births from that. This is the first time that they've taken a uterus from a deceased person, put it into a live person, and then that person was able to give birth. So this person got a had the surgery um in i think to september or december 2016 september 2016 and 37 days later had the first ever menstruation this woman just didn't have a uterus she just didn't have one she was born without one she got this one and then had a first menstruation like a month month bit over a month later which to me that was amazing it's like you put that thing in there and it's just it's just ready to go you know so that's impressive um and then seven months post-surgery they implanted an embryo that had been fertilized in vitro so outside of the body and they put that in there and she gave birth to a healthy baby uh 5.5 pounds that's 2.5 kilos they delivered it by cesarean section by all accounts it was normal birth the blood flow the placenta everything was all throughout the pregnancy was all good um and then they actually, I don't know why they did this, but they removed the uterus like with the baby. So they took it out. I mean, I guess maybe she was just like, oh, I don't need it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> one, one and done. Yeah, yeah. But the another interesting thing is that's not the first time that that uterus had been used. So the, the, the original owner had three children. So it was a tried and tested. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that, like, you know, they like knew it worked. Let's take it out. So she had three children normally. 
and then unfortunately died of a stroke. And then, yeah, they took that uterus. So they, you know, she got a used uterus, used it one more time. And now it's, I don't know if they're passing it on to someone else or what the deal is, but... (laughs) When the music stops. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously the, the the breakthrough is obviously that you don't need a live donor. Um, no. You know, so this opens up a, a lot more chances to so, get a uterus. And I think so, one of the quotes, one of the best quotes from the researchers in the press release was, what this shows is that the uterus is actually, quote, very resilient. So you can pop it out, pop it back in, pop out a baby, pop out another one, pop it in there. Uterus, hey, uterus, well, uterus. A bit of weight this month. Well, I'll just take my uterus out. Yeah. Okay. So, well, it's, what are you struggling with? Questions that, well, lots of things. You've just blown my mind, to be honest. But so, I guess the first question I have was: Do you know how long after death the uterus was removed? Presumably, the woman that she died of a stroke. You said. Yeah. I presume she was on some sort of life support. I don't know. That I do not know. That I don't know. Okay. I haven't dug into the uh, the medical... Don't dig into it. They, I presume they haven't buried her already. <laughs> that would... um, um, no, that, I haven't looked at the actual medical paper for this one. Um, just the sort of news story press release that was on it. But I imagine it's like it's anything else. Because that was the thing. That was one of the questions that they came up with at the end. They were like, you know, this obviously worked. You know, but this these will be the next questions is how long can the uterus be kept outside right, yeah, of the body yeah. before you put it into somebody else? And that's, I think, where the quote of the uterus is actually really resilient came from. Well, and then it was that statement that then is it the, is it the fact that it's the uterus that's resilient or have they employed some sort of new physiological medical technique? Surgical technique or something? I don't think so. No, it sounds like this is just... Okay, like, so I was wondering for other organs if... No, 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 no. This is just, hey... Somebody had to do it first. Let's see if it works. In the uterus. Wow, interesting. Okay. But like I said, it's and been done wondered... 11 times before with living people. This is just the first time that, you know. Right, okay. So it's there. And I, presumably there was, a, there was a space of time where it was like, this person died. Okay, this is the one that we're going to use. So we have to take it, prep the other person for surgery. I mean, it was in Brazil is where the surgery to implant the uterus happened. I don't know. I don't know if they had to transport it. If the if the donor was also in Brazil or anything like so, we don't. I don't know what that number is, but presumably there was a number of hours or whatever yeah. that it was outside the body. And this is now the record because it's the first time. Right. So this is we're talking about. And record. then I was thinking in terms of you know with other organ transplants, obviously they're quite commonplace now. Although yeah. they're still incredible, but I'll see once you once you transplant them, then there's a degree of immunosuppression that you have to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. put into the recipient to keep that and I just wonder how that's why I was amazed in a way that it worked because I would have thought that level of immunosuppression would also have an effect on, on the pregnancy ability to conceive in pregnancy and things like that and I wonder if that's why they maybe removed the uterus afterwards because of that uh, yeah because you know if you're breastfeeding a baby or you know there's the risk of cross-contamination of immunosuppressants into the infant right, right, right. Thing, like but, the yeah immune suppressing drugs that you would need to take yeah, yeah. Hmm, that's a good question. Yeah, but yeah, who knew that the uterus was that resilient? But me neither. And to work so quickly—that's that was amazing. You know, you said to within me. a month, you pop it in there, and thirty-seven days later, it's going through its cycle. Back on cycle, yeah. 
That's insane. Now, what would be interesting is whose cycle is it That's on. what I was going to say. <laughs> but the first woman never had a cycle. She had never had a cycle before because she didn't have a uterus. She was born with this like, oh, of course. Yeah, congenital like, condition okay. where she just didn't have one. Which makes you think, is like, what's in place? Like, is it just empty space? Like, would they have to carve out some room for it? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Car- carve out some room for it. For it. <laughs> You know, if you ha- we're just kind of playing on this, and just take a couple of inches off the side, be fine. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, right? But yeah, yeah, so I know what you mean. That though. would also yeah. be a bit of a, a mind trip for her to have her first cycle at thirty. She was thirty-two years old too when she got the uterus. Okay, Which so that again, seems no. like you know you you talk about that's like getting up into the the age range. I mean, nowadays, obviously, women are having childs ch- uh, children later in life, and it, good English there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The spritzer's starting to go to my head. Spritzer and all this uterus talk. <laughs> Available for freelance journalism work as and when you need them, people. Just uh, hit them up. You may want to hit the spell check there. That's all I'll say. But yeah, you know, like, so it's like, there's a, there's a lot of medical firsts in here that I'm just like, oh, you know. Yeah. Interesting. It just, yeah, it, well, that's it, a story that. It does seem like a long way just, to go, though, to get a kid. Like, I'm always of the, like, you know, there's a lot of kids that need adoption. So that was my dig at the beginning. But who am I to tell you what to do with your used uterus that you picked up? And well, there, yeah, there's a there's a sci-fi film for the future. Just jars of uteri, uteruses yeah. lined up, you know, coming. Oh, I think I had that. Yeah, th- this one's tried and tested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Used. This one. This one. This one's a bit unknown. Well, but how would you how would you put that? Gently worn. Gently worn uterus. One careful owner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that careful. Yeah. There's still some bits stuck yeah, in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Robust. Okay, so you, this is a robust you've, you've, uterus. You've delved into one uterus. Fancy uh, delving into another. I mean, if you want to know more about how amazing the uterus is, yeah. Brad, well, I, I do. I do. I can tell I you more. You, you've whet my appetite. Yeah, well, you know, it's like you say, it's like. They're all for the ladies, the stories, but these ones are really for the ladies. Uterus story number two. Okay. So, we were just talking about how resilient the uterus is. Let's talk a little bit about how functional it is. Because it turns out, the uterus is not just for cooking babies. We found research is showing that it might actually play a role in memory. So don't ask me why they had the idea to do this. This is this is one this okay. is one of those ones where I was reading it and I was like, it's interesting. And then I had to step back and be like, why would you ever think to do this? But basically, what they did is they took they removed the uterus, the uteruses, from a number of rats, and then saw that those rats had memory difficulties, showing that there's a link between owning a uterus and memory so let's let's break this down um break it down we're gonna break it down because here's some numbers off the bat as to why this is why this is important for not just rats because 20 million it's estimated that 20 million women in the u.s have had a hysterectomy that is of course the procedure where you remove the uterus so if there is an effect on memory you know it's 20 million people that this could be could be uh, 
important for. So what they did was they removed either the uterus or the ovaries or both of the animals. And then obviously there was a control group with intact bits. Um, and then they tested them using a water maze. So the way that that works is you put the animal in a, like a big pool of water and there's platforms at different places. Obviously rats, they can swim, but they don't really particularly enjoy it. So there's platforms around the, the pool, the little bathtub or whatever it is that they put them in. Um, and they, can, they can't see them because they're just below the surface. But they can, if they know where it is, they'll swim to it and they'll stand and they'll, right. they'll, you know, basically save themselves. So then I guess the idea is, you know, you move the, where those platforms around and see if they remember where they are, this kind of thing. That's the basic test. Um, and so what they showed, again, like when you look at just the, the press release sort of story of it, was that rats missing only the uterus, so they still had ovaries, they were just missing the uterus were worse than others at finding the platforms as the mazes got more difficult, as the water mazes got more difficult. So this raised a couple questions for me, um, which was like, was there a level of difficulty at which all the animals performed the same? You know, was it only like, because they made a point of saying as the mazes got more difficult, as the mazes got harder, then the, the ones with the uterus, without the uterus, you know, were having the most difficulty. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you want to know, like, what what are the differences? How big are the differences? Is that they're all pretty good and just the uterus is just not the one missing the uterus is the uterus-less, the uterine, uterus-less animals? That's a tongue twister. Yeah, we're there. not going to try right that there. again. Um, yeah. Yeah, were they just, like, slightly, you know, I don't know. So, and, and the papers, you can't, I went and looked, I did did look at the abstract because you can't uh, couldn't get the full paper uh, without paying for it and you people aren't donating money to this show so I can't I'm not about to go pay for those papers <laughs> I, I, I don't think you should be calling our listeners you people I think that's a little bit <laughs> they know disparaging. they're uh, upstanding fine people of this global world that we live yeah, in with the uh, zippers on their wallets apparently yeah <laughs> <laughs> They know, they know. Anyway, so I looked at the abstract and tried to glean a bit more information. Um, because obviously there was hormonal differences. I mean, the, the uterus does uh, produce some hormones, but I mean, ovaries are, are the big hormone makers as far as I'm concerned, or as far as, far as I'm concerned, as far as I know. As far as I'm concerned, hormones come from one place and one place only. Um, and important to note that the rats in the study were never pregnant. They had never been pregnant. So these were, you know, their uterus hadn't been used yet, we'll say. But yeah. anyway, so that what they looked at, when you look at the abstract, they go into a bit more detail and they, the language gets a bit more scientific-y. So we'll try and do what we can here. But rats, what they found was that rats without ovaries learned the working memory domain of a complex cognitive task faster than those with ovaries. So this is like if you... Sorry, okay. So without ovaries, they learned quicker. Yeah, than, than those without yeah, okay. uter, o, uh, ovaries. So this is ovaries, not uterus. This is just ovaries. Right? Over, okay. And this complex working memory working memory domain of a complex co cognitive task. I think that's just the maze um, because they go on to say that there was no difference in any of these animals in reference memory, only tasks. 
So I think it's like your ability to remember and process the information on the fly, not just like, you know, if you were to play the memory game with them. They could remember like this Go card ahead. was there or that, you know, like it's, it's different. It's yeah. more like a working memory thing is what I is what my understanding yeah. is. But then when you had the animals that had their uterus removed alone, so just just the uterus gone, they were the only ones that where there was a unique detrimental impact on the ability to handle the quote high demand working memory load. So something to do with the uterus is somehow involved in remembering multiple bits of information at the same time. So it's this working task thing. So there was a difference in the ovary function, but it was like, they were like, okay, that's fine. We see that difference, but it was only the ones, so they could learn that the ones without ovaries could learn faster. So I guess you're, sorry, ladies, your ovaries are getting in the way of your learning. That's what I'm taking the headline. <laughs> um, but if you remove the root uterus, then they have this unique, you know, lack of, of processing bits of information at the same time, this memory thing. So, I mean, obviously, we know that the uterus produces hormones and stuff, but this is the first time that it's ever shown a link to something functional like this, like memory. And yeah, I mean, 20 million women have had a hysterectomy. So obviously, the caveat, of course, it's been done in animals, but we don't know what it means for humans. There's a lot more stuff to do. But again, I would say, who the hell had this idea? Like, there must be some well, prior research out there. Like, it sounded like when I'm reading this that they were, like, shocked. They're like, oh, we never expected this. It's like, but then why the hell did you yeah, do well, it? Yeah, well, and when you when you pitch the story in, in pre-production, I, it's twice now I've alluded to our pre-production, which I've said to you before, listeners, just normally involves Flash and I catching up and drinking beer and talking to each other over Skype. Yeah. Wine spritzers but in, today. in pre-production, I didn't want to divulge that flash. I didn't want you to lose credibility with the listeners, but you know, you dug your own boat now. Um, so when you first said it, I was thinking, you know, you hear people talk of pregnancy brain and things like that. So, you know, obviously there is anecdotal evidence and there probably is actually scientific evidence out there of hormones affecting memory in people, you know, it's yeah, or cognitive tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, testosterone um, too. You think about people that like are raging dudes that are raging with testosterone. They can't, you know, figure shit out either because they're, you know. Um, so that was the first thing. Okay, well, there's got to be a, a hormone piece. And I was trying to think back to my physiology days of direct hormones from the uterus. But then, I, well, a couple of things that came to me. I, a, I would wonder, another part of the study is, is looking at the protective elements against dementia or things like Alzheimer's. I wonder what there is mm. there, if there's anything there. So that could be an interesting for the study. The other one that leaps out to me is when you said about the without ovaries increased learning. Yeah. What that interview made me thought of is obviously kids go to school, you know, our learning years are those early years where obviously neurons are still growing and firing and stuff. Is there also a hormone, you know? Yeah. Do young girls learn quicker because their ovaries haven't developed yet and aren't producing the full complement of hormones that right, getting in the way. might be the cause of this impact? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting one too. I mean, it would make sense from a de developmental, like the timing of development. You could make that, assert, we could make that speculation right here, right now. Well, of course we could. We can do it every night. <laughs> it's our show. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, I mean, it made me think about like, well, 
if you had to have your uterus removed for some health reason, cancer or whatever, and there was some sort of disadvantage, we now know that you could just pop another one in there. But then would you inherit the memories from that other person? Oh, uteral memories? Like, I don't know where these memories are coming from. They're not my uterus's memories. (laughs) Science fiction movie. Write it down. Pitch it to Hollywood. There you go. Yeah. This is our idea. Well, there is. There's a movie like that? Yeah, you've seen it? I don't want to know. Not with a uterus, but I thought, thought, maybe I'm just hoping there's a movie. I thought there was a movie with... (laughs) Somebody that had some sort of transplant and then go, you know, goes on. Yeah, no, that's definitely a scientific or a science fiction rampage, science fiction trope. That's definitely been like a Twilight Zone episode or something like that, where it's yeah, yeah. you get. I think it's the heart. They like, transplant the heart, and then it's like yeah, they have the memories Fall in love or something. With, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, yeah. obviously. So yeah, you would get the you would inherit the memories of the other uterus. Yes. So that, <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> how, how resilient and how resourceful the uterus is. Yeah. yeah. Then how many times have we said uterus? That's what I want to know. Well, maybe you can go through in post-production and count it all up. <laughs> I'll give up after three, I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that, that'll, that'll rule out the yeah. first 30 seconds. Well, of the and show, I won't be able okay. to remember the first one because I don't have a uterus. So, you know. My memories. But if we transplanted one in, then maybe you would remember. Dude, that, this opens remember. up the junior scenario. How do we not even see this? How do we not even talk about this in the last one? Well, I've often thought you look a little bit like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or is it more Danny DeVito? I don't... I, no, I'm too tall. I got to be the Schwarzenegger in this relationship. <laughs> I got to be. Yeah. I, well, I don't think either of us are quite knocking on the height of Danny DeVito, no, are we? No, 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 no. Let's just make that clear to the listeners that, you know, we have a face for podcasting, Flash, with us. Yeah, yeah. Let's not sell our physiques short yeah, here. Yeah. Obviously, we both had the physique of Arnold Schwarzenegger. In uh, theory. And the stature. I got, like, the scaffold. Yeah. I just have to put the meat on, you know? Well, I, yeah, I've got, trouble is I've got cladding over the top. You can't, <laughs> you can't quite see the... There's muscles uh, in there somewhere. Yeah, they're all. I can't something. believe we missed that. That's the obvious one. The junior, you know, we could implant uterus in a man, and and these day and age. Well, I don't think we should do that, Flash. You know, neither of us are medically qualified to do that. Let's and... talk to the head transplant guy, and maybe he can get on this. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Why bother to transplant a head? Just put a uterus on there. Use that for your memory. <laughs> I think now we've taken this a bit yeah, too now far. Let's, um, you know, jump the ovary, jump the uterus. It's gone too far. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me shift just a little bit. Okay. We'll go uterus adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> because we've talked. You're running, you're running your hand up and down that thigh. <laughs> Gone deep into the uterus, and now we're backing out. Where, where on earth are we going now? Well, we'll go. We'll, we'll go. We'll take the hormone route. One of the hormones that okay. one oh, of the okay. hormones that the uterus um, produces. Can you guess which one I'm going to talk about? As I look through my notes. Well, here. I, I probably can because you told me earlier. So, oh, did I? Oh, I did. Prostaglandin. Yeah. Yeah. No, wrong. You weren't listening. No, oh, prolactin. Progesterone. 
progesterone. See, I obviously can't remember. Because you don't have a uterus. Damn Damn you, uterus. What if we could get, like, pro-uterus by, you know, pill, like, you know, like, you take... Maybe if you just took my ovaries out, that would help. Yeah, if you took your ovaries out. But if you could, like, get, like, we could make a supplement, you know, like, from, like, ground, you know, rhino uterus or something. Improves, <laughs> improves memory. Would, would it have to be rhino uterus? Oh, no, that's exotic. They're, I was thinking exotic. They're on, they're, they're, well, they're a little bit, you know, short on numbers at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to promote that. Their horns, their promote. horns are brilliant for memory, by the way, you know. Yeah. Elephants, they never forget. Although they're a little endangered too. We'll just say <laughs> that it's elephant uterus and it's actually rat uterus. Okay. Mosquito uterus. <laughs> There's plenty of those around. All right, let's move on to progesterone. Produced okay. by the uterus. Actually, I you know what? I, you I might be wrong. That it might not be produced by the uterus, but we do know that it preps the uterus for pregnancy. We know that that's Correct. one of its yes. big, big functions. However, turns out it might also help in the regeneration of limbs and other tissues. So, spinal tissues is one is the one they were talking about. Which our friend doing the head transplant, if we can just pop some progesterone in there. Grow back the spine. We'll put him out of business. Um, he, he is having a bad end of 2018. We've done him out of business yeah, twice. Yeah, exactly. So this story, this this one, it's really about it's about this 3D printed bioreactor that a group of um, uh, scientists have created. So bioreactor is just a little device. They they printed out of um, silicon, 3D printed out of silicon. But it's basically just a little device that like uh, can keep the conditions for um you know a, a living thing so I'm, i imagine temperatures involved and you know they seal it off um but what they do is they can suture this bioreactor onto the end of a severed limb of a frog um and when they did that this bioreactor it has this goo in it that's made up of polymers and stuff and then they lace that goo with silk proteins that are known to promote healing and then they add progesterone. And so this, all that, that's the recipe for growing a frog limb back. And you clasp that back onto the... the Some sort of witch's yeah, exactly. recipe. Yeah, exactly. Frog. And they clasp that back onto the severed limb of the, of the frog. And uh, it grows back better than it did without it. So if you cut off, this is what I learned. If you cut off the leg of a frog, it... It's not like a, a lizard or some of the amphibians, some of the other amphibians where it grows back like completely. It'll grow back basically yeah. into just this spike. So if you cut off the back foot, if you think of the back flipper foot of a frog, you cut that off. It grows into just this like spike of cartilage, right? And so it's not really useful for swimming or anything. It just sort of heals up and goes over. So what they did is they cut the legs off these frogs. Uh, you have the ones with just their legs cut off. And then in one group, they sutured the bioreactor device with the goo and stuff in it to the leg. With the yeah, goo. But yeah. they didn't add the progesterone. And okay. then in the final group, they cut the leg off, sewed the bioreactor on with the goo and the progesterone. And they found that it was the progesterone that really improved the, the healing. And so what happens is it actually grows, like it doesn't grow back fully. It doesn't grow back into a full formed frog foot. But it grows oh, okay. into like a, you can, I'll tweet out the pictures or the, the articles and you can find the pictures of it. It's like more like a paddle, you know? So it, rather than just being the spike, it's like this, like, 
looks more like a foot basically and it's a paddle the listeners can't see but i'm making a hand gesture and trying to mime this out for my co-host um and they found that they were better they could like swim better and staff if they had to paddle versus just nothing um and it was really all about progesterone so that that was the physical effect so they're like okay this definitely heals better it looks better it's more functional it's more growth so it's better and then they looked at um you know some of the molecular changes that were going on in the wound site so around uh, when they took the bioreactor and stuff off and it turns out that it's when they had the progesterone and this bioreactor thing it was altering the gene expression in the cells at the amputation site and so some of the genes that were you know upregulated so they were expressed more uh, were involved in oxidative stress and serotonin signaling and white blood cell activity and they also found that processes or genes that were involved in scarring and immune some immune processes were down regulated so what it was able to do is actually promote some other things so serotonin and all that i'm not sure what that has to do with growth growth but it also you know prevented the sort of normal just immune system kicking in and scarring it up and you know blocking everything and shutting it down so that's kind of interesting because to me it brings up this whole um this sort of cost of immunity hypothesis i don't know if we've talked about this before but the immune system is like the mammalian immune system or you know in the higher order of animals the immune system that we have with t cells b cells white blood cells all these things antibodies like we were talking about in the vaccine stuff it's really costly to produce like it takes a lot of energy and it's this crazy system that's so complex and dynamic it's one of these things that biologists are always like how did it evolve you know why would obviously there's a great it's it's so useful that it evolved and we we put a lot our bodies put a lot of energy into this but there's also like sort of a there's, there's usually a cost so autoimmune disease is obviously a cost when the immune system starts turning on you or you can have a lot of complex problems with it and and then there's also this you know your immune system being so good at doing what it does and just preventing infection and and you know healing is that it might actually be preventing you from regrowing your your limb whereas if you had the right the right conditions uh, and you tone down the immune system you can you can nudge out a little bit little more growth out of that severed frog leg um well we all want to nudge out a little bit more growth in certain areas don't we yeah so. well, maybe maybe you need some progesterone in there <laughs> you smooth and a, and a little bioreactor you just clip clip on there um but the, i think i bought one of those once it wasn't called a bioreactor <laughs> anyway i can't remember what it was exactly called well, you, you, you probably for you probably didn't pay extra for the progesterone cream so that's why it didn't work Ah, that's what right. it was. Um, they also note that they haven't, uh, you know, they do this in aquatic animals, and you see limb generation in aquatic animals or semi-aquatic animals, probably because there's no pressure on the limb either. So if you do have a situation where your body is, you know, there's these cells that are trying to regrow, and there's this immune reaction, all this stuff going on. If you're then, you know, a terrestrial animal that's just grinding your nub into the ground every time you try and walk it probably destroys all that so this right. is why aquatic animals and this is why they worked with aquatic animals is because they kind of can float there and take the pressure off the old severed frog foot you know um yeah so it's I'm, I'm, 
I'm loving the impression of the uh, swimming severed leg frog. We gotta we gotta turn this show video so people can see my great mind. Yeah, skills. we're gonna have to at some point. Um, but yeah, and so then they looked at they're like, you know, progesterone seems to be the link. They know that it's involved in reproduction. They also know that it has some uh, role in cognitive uh, functions. And now there's this regeneration link. So it could be, you know, they're they're hoping that you know, taking it to spinal cord uh, injuries and things like that would be the next thing. Um, and I think they're also looking at it for reprogramming tumor growth. So like stopping tumor growth. Um, okay, so in these, in the in the frogs where they, they lose the leg, obviously there's some sort of degree of regrowth of the bio-regeneration. That growth also includes nerves yeah, as well? Yeah, I think though? so. Presumably if they still, if they have control of it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they tested it for like pain or anything like that. Like if you poke the nub, does it do anything? Um, but but they got motor control. Yeah, but that motor control so. could be like from the upper leg, you know, and it's just, right. you know, yeah, it's yeah. still just sort of kicking out. Because I didn't see exactly where they did the amputation, but if they did it below the knee, you know, it's like, okay, so rather than growing into a pointed like, you know, peg leg, it grows and then sort of widens a bit like a paddle like it would be a foot almost like it's trying yeah. to get there you know like it's trying to get to back to a foot but it can't um can't get there fully so i don't know how much muscle movement is actually in there but i mean it's it's yeah so it's a step anyway and uh what was the other oh yeah the other interesting thing is that it's they they kind of did it at like a time trial so they had a certain group where they took the bioreactor off like you know three three weeks after amputation and another group where they took it off like four weeks five weeks you know so they could see this time difference and they found that even having the bioreactor on the amputation site um, with the progesterone <clears throat> for even as little as like a month or something it that really pushed uh, growth further than if there was no treatment at all right so even having it on for just a little bit of time, like promoted it and that that must be because of this you know altering the gene expression and stuff that's going on and so i think yeah uh, well i'll wait i'll wait to the summary to sum up all my uterus progesterone sort of ideas into one big froggy soup but what a what a recipe that sounds just in, in time for christmas <laughs> uterus froggy soup lovely that's um, it. That's a, that's what I got, man. I went down a uterus rabbit hole no. and came out with frogs on the other you side. Came, you came out with a froggy yeah. nub. So yeah, that's well. I'm not to, uh, yeah, well, uh, no, I like those. You, I've I've gone kind of quiet, which is unlike me because I'm kind of now bubbling away and thinking of all these things. So um, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us away from all this in depth serious science and it's it's christmas next week um so i saw this article uh which is i guess quite topical in a in a roundabout way um and i thought it'd be fun to share with the listeners and Wait, I, is there's it a about youtube uteruses? video that goes with it as well it's unfortunately not about uteruses <laughs> um and it's not about bioreactors but it's um it's something that you know we like to be pretty and sparkly it's about a glitter bomb mm. You know, we've all probably received one of those. Um, so it's the case of uh, former NASA engineer, uh, Mark Robber. Uh, he's a guy in the US. Um, and for 
uh, a period of time um, over the last six months, in fact, he's designed a, a glitter bomb parcel. Now, there's nothing too difficult in that. You say, you know, you have something, you lift it, and it pops out glitter. Yeah. Um, but he took it to the next level. Started too. Right. So, um, so basically, what happened with this guy is um, he got a notification one day to say that Amazon or whoever had delivered a parcel got home and there was no parcel on the doorstep. Um, so we reviewed the footage that he has. He's got one of these like CCTV right. doorbell yeah. things. Um, sees the parcel there, and then later on that afternoon, sees a couple walking down the road, and the woman comes up and steals the Whoa. parcel. Um, yeah, so he went to the police. He's they, here's the vi- I've got video footage of it. Here you go, and they're like, yeah, you know, we're too busy. It's too small a crime. We don't have the resources to chase that down. We're not interested. Yeah, type thing. So he's like, right, well, you know, I, I can't. I've got to do can't something let this about stand. this. This will so, not stand. This will not. This aggression will not stand, man. So. Um, he set about wanting to have a bit of fun with this. So he thought about having a parcel with a glitter bomb inside. You know, if somebody steals it, they open it. Yeah. You know, haha, joke's on them. But obviously, it's not really a joke if you don't get to see it. Mm-hmm. So he's then, well, I want to put some sort of camera on board. But then how do you, A, do that? Because, you know, the battery will go flat in the yeah, camera. Yeah. How do you have it? And you got to relay the footage How do you get the camera yourself? back? Yeah. How do you get the footage back? I mean, it works for NASA. Um, so I'm seeing that this is going exactly. to so. So uh, in his um, CV online, before he talks about this, uh, he's also created a dartboard that guarantees you to hit a bullseye every mm. time. Okay. Um, which I, I haven't fully delved into, but so he shows a quick Are NASA engineers cool. just like making gag gifts for joke shops? Like, is this what they're really doing with all that federal money? <laughs> well, yeah, now, now that the funding's been cut out of it by the Trump administration, they've got to be doing something to earn some yeah. money on the side. And, uh, yeah, so he is, he is a former... NASA engineer, oh, he's not okay. current, so you know I don't want anyone to think he's misappropriating the funds that been pumped in by the American government. So anyway, what he's done is he um, took a box, and within that box he's put four mobile phones with their cameras facing outwards. So you've got the camera element. Um, they've also obviously they've got mobile phones. So they've got a GPS element, so they where know is, yeah. where they are or where it is at any time. Um, but obviously, if you've got a box that's powered by electricity, obviously it's got batteries in there, which has got a charging port on the bottom because obviously you can't have a cable connecting it while it's sat on your porch waiting for somebody to, to take it. Um, but obviously, if you just left it on the porch all day, the batteries would go flat. So actually, he's built a circuit board in there with an accelerometer so it picks up when it gets moved. And that switches the circuitry on to power up all the phones and start recording. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then on the top of the box, or inside the top of the box, he's put a, a small motor that you fill with a pound of fine glitter. So when you lift the lid off the box, it fires up the motor and it sprays yeah, glitter yeah. everywhere. So you get you get the glitter bomb effect all the time with the four cameras removing, battery powered. The four phones are also connected uh, to the mobile network. So they re- upload their footage immediately into the cloud so you can review it. And also there's GPS so you can track it wherever it is. Obviously, he wanted the added piece of, well, I don't want people to discover there are four phones in there because obviously then they nick the package that has nothing in, but then there's four mobile phones in there. So he also fitted a can of fart spray <laughs> on a small little cam motor. Obviously, this that, is the part um, that makes me laugh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, who doesn't love a fart, yeah. fart joke? Uh, so 
in in the uh, in the video, and we can send out a link to uh, from our site when we post the the podcast. He says one squirt of the can is enough to empty a room. He actually has it set up so it, it pumps five times every thirty oh. seconds. Um, so off he goes. So um, he creates the package. The added twist, and this is where it makes it a little bit Christmassy, I think, is um, I won't ask you in case you don't say, but if I was to say name, you know, top five Christmas movies, one that seems to feature quite heavily in some of the polls I've seen recently yeah, is Home Alone. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's got to be Home Alone for this story, yeah. Damn it, I should have said that. So actually the uh, package he's put in the shape of, uh, he's like labelled up, he's obviously shrink-wrapped it to make it look like a package, put an address label on there, uh, and the address label uh, is named uh, Kevin McAllister mm-hmm. uh, from Macaulay Culkin's character. It's actually got the uh, the address of the Home Alone house okay. yeah. on there as homage. And it's also addressed to Harry and Marv, the two burglars that famously tried yeah. to break into the Home Alone <laughs> house. Um, this, guy, this guy's got a lot of time on his hands. This is why he's a former NASA. Has got a lot of time. The GPS bit is really cool because he's basically set up like a GPS grid around his house. So it doesn't activate until it breaks that yeah. grid and then it fires up. Um, we'll post the video out. There's So basically, yes, it gets stolen. Um, not just once, multiple times. And he gets to recover it multiple how, times due to the, the presence of the fire. So he, how does he recover it though? Because like, I'm, I'm assuming that people take it to their house and then open it. Houses, cars, but then people dump it because it smells well, and like. He can fart. still track it. He can still track it because of the GPS nice. tracker. Nice. Um, so yeah, his name's Mark Robert. Um, we'll send out a link. It's yeah, brilliant. I've shown the video to a couple of people. Worth a laugh for sure. They start off going, "Oh my god, this this guy has gone over the top," and then you start you like talk through each stage, and it's like, "Well, that kind yeah. of makes sense." <laughs> um, so yeah, just a little bit of festive yeah. fun to uh, follow up with there. Nice. Nice. Hey, well, I mean, good on him. <clears throat> I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if 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 I if I followed through with half of the ideas I've thought of or like cooked up around the 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 pub table, you know, maybe I would have the same, probably not, level of internet fame that this dude has right now. Well, not sure how infamous he is, but you know, he's he's kind of getting there. So. Uh... Yeah, obviously with all the stories, we'll post those out so people can read more and delve into them as we always do. But yeah, that one's definitely worth a, a watch of the video, mm, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to give a quick summarization of where we've been today? I've Yeah, yes, yes I do, but I want you to do it without saying the word uterus. <laughs> okay. It might be impossible see, to do. see what I can do. <laughs> no, just give us your um, summary. Just give us your summary. Okay, so the, well, so the the summary I had, and I started writing, and I, I've changed it around a bit. Uh, so we always hear this debate of what, who is the, which is the stronger sex. Um, I've personally always said it's it's women, you know, physiologically what they go through every month, the fact that they even go through mm-hmm. childbirth. Mm-hmm. No way on earth I could go through yeah, that. Yeah, but we so, could dump I mean, basketball. Wow, well, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. Yeah, you shit. My my argument's <laughs> come out the window right there. Um, but I think what we've proven today is uh, now anatomically, we've proven that they are the strongest. You know, how many times have you and I lost an argument, Flash, because we just can't remember what it is mm. we've done wrong? No wonder we can't remember. We don't have yeah, a uterus. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I wonder now, like, what are the, what the role our bits are playing in memory, if anything at all? 
And why has nobody done a, you know, a scrotum transplant? Or have they? <laughs> well, there's, there's a topic we can delve into mm. in the new year. Not, not, not literally. Um, the other worrying thing about the then women being the stronger sex is we then just talked about that with progesterone, we can regenerate things. So women basically have the technology to remember everything and regenerate mm-hmm. themselves. I know males also have a degree of progesterone. And pass it on to their friends that don't have one. And then, basically, we've got zombie women. Because even if they die, we can transplant parts out of them that still keep their same functionality. Yeah. The male race is screwed. I think that's the summarization from this summary flash. I mean, that's. I, th- I think this is why we've been so touchy and so, uh, you know, uh, dismissive all these years. Because if they've really found out how much... Yeah, we're not needed. It's the beginning of the end, and you heard it here <laughs> first, people. Yeah, yeah. We don't contribute much, but what we do is sweet. I mean, have you ever seen a 360 dunk? It's awesome. <laughs> not the way I do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking cookies into milk here. Okay. Yeah. That I can do pretty right. well. Well, you're not wrong, um, man. You're not wrong. It's uh, it's Indeed not where not. I thought this this show was going to go when I first started sort of researching topics. <laughs> well, ending with the female zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of didn't see it coming either. It's amazing how these things creep up with you. So I'm right after the show going to hunker down in the basement with a load of tin goods, shotguns, and yeah. sharp implements to take them out into yeah. the brain um, and hope for the best in, in 2019. Um, so if I don't speak to you again, Flash, if I don't speak to you again, listeners, have a great rest of your lives, all of you. <laughs> Um, and maybe see you in the next life. Should we ever? Yeah. Make well, it hopefully, I'll see you in the next year. Let's start with that, and then we'll we'll, we'll move on. Okay. From there. Okay. Um, Flash, as always, it's been a pleasure. I'm not sure if we'll get the chance to podcast before New Year. We're just before Christmas now, to the listeners. So maybe we can. Maybe you know. Maybe do a wrap up. You know. Maybe yeah. we can discuss about doing predictions and stuff. Again, as always, if you want to hit up the show, hit up us. You can do the show on. Instagram and on Twitter at mm. Too Brad for You. Uh, me, Britt Brad, you can hit me up at, at Bradley W. Hayes on Twitter. Flash yourself. Yeah, my phone number oh, is. Flash yourself. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at B. Van Paradigm. You have to think for a moment. If only had that uterus, would have. I always do. Come straight no, to you. That's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we don't get a, a new year one out before the new year, we'll do something in the in the new year. We'll get that. Yeah, do something very in the early new year. That would be that would be good. And that's a busy time. Uh, I would just like to wish all our listeners a, a happy uh, festive period. Uh, enjoy the downtime if you've got downtime. Enjoy the family time, mm-hmm. the friend time. Uh, set yourself up for 2019. 2019's going to be a good one ahead. It's looking up all signs are pointing uh, to yes, I would say. Well, that's good. You're like our pox Tony Phil Groundhog Day, <laughs> aren't you? All signs are saying yes. You heard it here. Six more weeks of winter, yeah. people. Uh, Flash is spoken. All right, folks. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you later. Have a good one. All. Take care.
you know, become rich behind our wildest dreams. But <laughs> doing ad reads in front of our podcast. <laughs> Sponsored by Incontinent Pants for Men. Well, we can only hope. What's this space? Who knows? So what's on your list, sir? Um, uterus. I have, th- I have two uterus stories. Oh, okay. I'm actually going to go for a record of see how many times in this episode I can say uterus. Well, yeah, what, we're on one, two, three already? And we've not even set the show for six, yeah. so that's good. Yeah, so I mean, I've said it three times. Do you know what the plural for uterus is? Is it uteri? That's what I would have thought. I actually don't know oh, how okay. to look it up. <laughs> it's just uteruses. <laughs> U to I. Yeah, see, yeah. Let's see. Yeah.